0: Hey there, my name's Daniel. You're about to listen to the Saints Church Podcast, and you're about to hear a life-changing message. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy. Hey, thanks for joining us today. My name's Brett. Once again, it's such an honor for you to spend time with us in this way. As we dive into the scriptures, we believe that the Bible is full of timeless truth for everyday life. And and we base our lives on the foundation of the word that's found right here in the scriptures or or the Bible. And uh, so what we're going to do today is we're going to dive into God's word. We're going to start right at the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1. One, uh, we're, we're talking about this concept or the idea of the Trinity. So we're, we're diving into this idea. If you, if you need a title today, I know you're taking notes at home. And if you're not, you're scrambling right now to grab a notebook and a pen. We'll just hold on for just one moment, just so you can get what you need, your resources ready, so you can take some notes. If you're taking notes today, the topic of this talk is called The Trouble with the Trinity. The Trouble with the Trinity. So we're going to start right at the beginning, Genesis 1, which is right at the very beginning of the Bible. This is the first verse, the first chapter. Let's start all the way at the beginning. All right, if you're with me, wherever you are, just turn to somebody that you're near and say, I'm with you. All right, all right. I, I, can, I, can, I can feel that. You can jump into the chat, say, hey, I'm with you right now. Thanks for jumping into the chat. Thanks, Tara. It's good to know that you're with me. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, In the beginning... That's right. We're at the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So we're at the very beginning. We're at the creation moment where where one God eternal in three persons. He shows up. You're like, but I only see to. Now, if you're new to the scriptures, like, I don't know what you're talking about, just buckle up. What we're talking about is the Trinity. Now, the Trinity is one of the most uh, mind-expanding uh, subjects that we could ever dive into. So you're, you might be asking yourself, why are we talking about this, and how does this impact my everyday life? Before we get there, I want us to go over to the book of Colossians, because you, you said just a moment ago that you only see two uh, persons of the Trinity present, you'll actually we find that Jesus was there too. This is Colossians 1. We'll go to verse 15. Colossians 1, verse 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything. In the heavenly realms and on earth, he made the things we can see and the things that we can't see such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he its Jesus who holds all creation together. This is the behind-the-scenes footage. You wanted to know how it went down at creation. We have God the Father in the beginning. He created, the Holy Spirit was there. He was hovering over this, full of potential, this chaos empty, void. The Hebrew is tohu, bohu, chaotic, void, without purpose. And Jesus spoke it into existence. The trouble with the Trinity, I mean, you can think about it in this way. Uh, uh, Winston Churchill has that famous quote, it's a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. And that is the idea of the Trinity that we, we believe that in one God who exists in three persons, Now you might be going, okay, I know a thing or two about the Bible and and the word Trinity doesn't exist in the Bible. You're right. Trinity is a word that we, we put to this big, hairy, scary idea. We're like, how do we describe kind of this like three in one moment? How do we describe this? This is like, this is so difficult to put language around. When we're thinking about this concept of God three in one, oftentimes we kind of just set it aside. We say, you know what? We believe it. We don't understand it, uh, but we just know that we should. It's in the Nicene Creed. It pops up. We see these images all across scripture of, of this uh, three in one moment, but, but we just kind of avoid it. It's just a big, hairy, scary idea. Or, or maybe uh, you got in an argument uh, and you were talking with somebody, maybe it's around the water cooler, or maybe they showed up at your door and they brought this to your attention. And You've been a Christian for a long time and maybe you got embarrassed because you didn't know exactly how to answer this question and you just felt defeated. So you walked away from this idea of the Trinity. And uh, can, can I be honest with you today? That's one of the reasons why we're diving in. And we're going to take at least the next nine weeks, okay, to unpack this. But the truth for us to grab onto is that this idea, the idea of the Trinity, is not a big, hairy, scary idea that we can't wrap our minds around. Rather, this is a deeply personal conversation about our relationship with God. (laughs) In other words, you could say, this is the story of God at work in our lives. The trouble with the Trinity is that we treat it like it's a problem. That we, we we treat it like it's so far from us, that it's, it's so disconnected from our reality. But the truth is, it's the most intimate, relational uh, concept or idea that we could wrap our minds around because it's talking about the way that God is actively at work in our hearts and in our lives. You are living right in the middle of Of the Trinity. And that's a little Easter egg, and we'll drop that there for later. We'll come back to that idea in the weeks to come. But okay, to dive in, maybe let's just start with a a basic definition. This comes from James R. White. Uh, He wrote a great book called The Forgotten Trinity. Let's just start with this very basic definition. So this is how we define the Trinity, okay? It's important to define our terms, to put some parameters on it. He says this, within one being, that is God, there exists eternally three co-equal and co-eternal persons, namely the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, we're just going to recap that one more time. This is our basic definition, okay? Basic definition of the Trinity. With one, within one being, that is God, there exists eternally three equal, uh, sorry, three co-equal and co-eternal persons, namely the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What we will come to understand is that, yes, these are big questions, but we're dealing with a really big God who has really big plan and a purpose for you. And we're talking about a really big idea that's deeply personal. And it might seem abstract, but what we're trying to do is do our best to put some language around it. Uh, The late Nobel laureate Niels Bohr said that, physicists trying to describe the subatomic realm in everyday language were more poets than scientists. And so, too, are we. As we use our language, we use the English language to describe these God ideas. We are more poets than we are scientists trying to put some terms around these relationships. Now, I want us to just study some scripture. Okay, we're going to jump right in. and this is just a little glimpse. This is all, we're going to start at Psalm 113. We're going to bounce back between the Psalms and Isaiah. And we're just going to set a little bit of a baseline. Okay, if you're still with me, say, I'm there. Okay, I'm so thankful that you're still with me. And if you were just about to log off, just hold on for just, just, just two moments later. This is Psalm uh, 113, verse five. Psalm 113, verse five, it says, Who can be compared with the Lord our God who is enthroned on high? Who can be compared with the Lord our God, who's enthroned on high? Let's let's move forward. We're going to Isaiah forty verse eighteen. To whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble Him? Are you starting to pick up a theme? Who can compare to God? There's no one like Him. There's no one like this three in one, co-eternal, co-equal God. There's 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 no parameters for our direct comparison. Uh, we can look at uh, Psalm. 35, with every bone in my body, I will praise you. Lord, who can compare with you? Who can compare with you? And then we look at uh, Isaiah 40, verse 25. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal, asks the Lord. And this is a repeated refrain in the book of Isaiah. Chapter after chapter, line after line says, who can you compare with me? Now, we can really dive into this in Isaiah 55, Isaiah chapter 55. This is so good. I'm so excited uh, that we're digging into this and I'm hoping you're following along that you're tracking. This is Isaiah 55. We're gonna look at verses eight and nine. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. We're talking about God who is eternal, who's co-equal, three in one and three persons, who is the center of the universe and who our lives revolve around. And when we, Accept Jesus into our lives. We now enter into this circle, the center of the universe. And in some strange way, you could almost say that the universe revolves around you. You know, uh, we've confirmed your suspicions that the universe revolves around you, but in a way that you did not anticipate or expect. This is a quote from Dr. Daryl Johnson. He's a professor at Regent. Uh, He says this, for when we enter into the intellectual process by which the church arrived at the Trinity, we very soon discover that we are not thinking human thoughts about God. We are thinking God thoughts about God. Think about that for a moment. We're not thinking human thoughts about God. We're thinking God thoughts about God. There's, there's a very real chance that as we continue to dive into this subject and we've got groups that are meeting online that are diving into these conversations that there's an expansion of our heart, our soul, and our mind as we go, wow, how does this all work? And we're just scratching the surface. What's happening is that we're beginning to think God thoughts about God. We're we're taking those four verses, five verses, you know, in in the Psalms and in Isaiah, we're jumping off of them and we're saying, listen, who can compare to God? There's no one who can compare to him. And so his ways are higher and so much bigger than I could even imagine that I could even hope or dream. I couldn't even think this stuff. And yet while we're caught up in the magnitude of this theological concept that seems difficult, we begin to understand that we're living this and it's right in the middle, this big idea, we're living this reality right in the middle of our everyday lives. So here's one of, what I want to do. I want to lay a couple foundation stones, three uh, to be exact. And, and these are what we're going to build off these Concepts and these ideas, and we're just going to keep pulling the layers off the onion, okay? So we've got three foundations, three foundations that our faith is built on, three foundations that is backed up entirely by scripture, and we're just going to list them uh, quickly, and then we're going to start just, again, peeling off the layers of that onion, okay? Number one, we've got three foundations. The first foundation is this. There is only one God. Christianity is a monotheistic faith. There's only one God. God. Number two, there are three divine persons. This is where we get the idea of three in one. There's only one God, but that one God has three divine persons. Number three, third foundation, the persons are co-equal and co-eternal. They're co-equal, And co eternal. I'm just going to recap all three of those, okay? A little rapid fire. We got three foundations of our faith when it comes to this big idea of the Trinity. Number one, there's only one God. Number two, there are three divine persons. And number three, the persons are co equal and co eternal. The language that we put around these three persons is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This idea exists all throughout scripture. It's it's not an idea so much as it's a recurring refrain that just keeps popping up from Genesis to Colossians all the way through to the book of Revelation. It just keeps popping up. Uh, when I was in Bible college, we had, uh, I was like really intrigued uh, about world religions, having these conversations. I really like getting into like different debates at different times. And so we had these uh uh, I believe their Jehovah Witnesses show up at my door, and I was living at home during college, and I decided that I was really gonna get into it with them. Like I was really gonna, like I was, I was just gonna go hard. I let them know, listen, I'm going to Bible college. Uh, this is not a fair fight. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna win this. And we got into this huge argument. And we started ripping apart the scriptures, and and they had verses, and I had verses, and we just like really went at it. And eventually, he said, okay, listen. They said, listen, we're gonna come back with somebody more experienced. I said, that's right. You come back. Let's do this. And and I didn't see them. But it turns out they showed up at my house every Saturday and uh, my mom wasn't super excited about that. So she just sent them away said leave him alone. Stop coming back. He doesn't want to talk to you. I'm like, come on, mom. I wanted to like have this conversation. They thought they were winning me. I thought I was winning them. And I I just like this triggered a whole set of study. And I just started diving into the scripture and into the Bible. And I wanted to know all the different details. But here's here's the truth. I wanted to know all the different details so I could beat somebody in an argument. I didn't dive into the scriptures and into the word and into the Bible because I wanted to know more about God. I dove into it because I wanted to be able to win. And as I was building up this knowledge, and I'm not saying knowledge is bad. It's the exact opposite. These are our tools. It begins to frame our understanding of the universe, to frame our understanding of our lives. And God spoke to me. And he said it in my heart and in my mind but it might as well have been someone yelling in my bedroom because the feeling in my soul reverberated so deeply. He said this, why would you settle knowing about me when you can know me? Why settle for information about me when you can know me on a personal level? That's what we're doing here today. We're discovering that behind this troubling idea, this big, hairy, scary idea that we call the Trinity, there is a God who loves you, who wants to have a personal one-on-one relationship with you. And while this is a mind-expanding idea, this idea wants to walk with you through every season of your life. This idea wants to have a personal relationship with you. The Bible says, the scriptures tell us he knows the number of hairs on our head. He knew us in our mother's womb while he knit us together. He handcrafted us like a divine masterpiece, the best maker out there. He is the master and he handcrafted us. And not only did he handcraft us, but there's something really significant that we discover. We're gonna go all the way back. Like I said, we're, we're just hanging out at the very beginning in Genesis chapter one, Genesis chapter one, we're going right back to the very beginning. Wow, Genesis one, this is a brand new Bible and all the pages are sticking together and that's a bit of a, a rookie move there, uh, you know, using the brand new Bible. This is uh, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Genesis 1, 26 to 27. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Now, because we started in Genesis 1 and we flipped over to Colossians 1, we get some idea of who God is talking to. What we discover here is God the Father is talking to the other members of the Trinity, the members of his community who are co-equal and co-eternal. And he's saying, we're gonna make man and humans just like us in our image. (laughs) They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the skies, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and all the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. Hmm. Let us... Let us make human beings in our image. So we are created by the creator of the universe, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in their image. So it's no surprise that we discover later in Hebrews that we're actually what's called trichotomous. We are three parts, body, soul, and spirit. We're made in his image. So that shouldn't surprise us. What we come to understand is that we were knit together and we were crafted by a community, by the essence of love itself. He knit us together. He put us together. He made us in his image and he made us with the intent to have relationship first with him and then with one another, that the idea of the Trinity is not a theological abstract concept, but it's in fact a deeply personal connection to the creator of the universe. As we lean into this, we're actually leaning into our relationship with the creator of the universe. Track with me here in Genesis uh, 2, verse 18. In Genesis 2, verse 18, it says, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. Why would he say that? Because he, God speaking, the creator of the universe, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, made us in his image to be a part of relationship, to be a part of community. He he made us in that way. He made us with those desires. He says, listen, I know from experience it's not good for man to be alone. And you're saying, well, hold on. What do you mean he knows from experience? He knows because he knows what the definition of relational love is because that is his vision essence. God is love. Not the idea that you have thrust upon romantic love, but he says, I am the essence and definition of love created for relationship, created for for community. That's who we are. Dr. Daryl Johnson really extracts this thought. He says, it is because we are created in the image of the Trinity that loneliness is so crushing. Come on. Wrap your mind around that. It's because we are created in the image of God, the image of the Trinity, that loneliness is so crushing. In this season, right here, right now, we're wrestling with the ability to connect with other human beings. We're trying to grapple with digital ways to have analog relationships. And did you know that that little nagging feeling inside of you is like this little beacon that's pointing you towards the Trinity. You know, we have this saying, you know, there's a God-shaped hole inside of each and every one of us. And I believe that. But I also believe that that desire for us to be connected, that that in itself is the fingerprint of God on your life. Let's look at 1 John 4 verse 8. This is New Testament. This is not the gospel of John. This is 1 John. Uh, It happens way later. 1 John 4 verse 8. uh, It says this, but anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love. God is love. The definition of God is love. He is the definition of God and the definition of God is love. I want us to Look at this quote, it's, it's kind of a lengthy quote, but it comes from Dr. Timothy Keller. And uh, I think it can put some, some language as, we, as we're trying to frame, use this, this vague and frail earthly language to describe this deeply personal connection to the creator of the universe. This is Dr. Timothy Keller, he says, when people say God is love, I think they mean that love is extremely important or that God really wants us to love. But in the Christian conception, God really has love as his essence. If he was just one person, he couldn't have been loving for all eternity. If he was only the impersonal all soul of Eastern thought, he couldn't have been loving for love is something persons do. Eastern religions believe that individual personality is an illusion and therefore love is too. G.K. Chesterton wrote, for the Buddhist personality is the fall of man. For the Christian, it is the purpose of God. The whole point of this cosmic idea, it is the purpose of God because he is essentially, eternally interpersonal love. Ultimate reality is a community of persons who know and love one another. That is what the universe, God, history, and life is all about. That desire for you to be connected, to have relationship, to to give love and to be loved, that is the fingerprints of God at work in your life because you are created in his image, handcrafted as a masterpiece. And the more that you desire it, the more it's like this blinking light saying, come on, look up to heaven and reach out to the creator of the universe because he doesn't want to be distant. He wants to be right in the middle of the story of your life. And when you're right in the middle uh, of his story, he wants to be right in the middle uh, of your story. And he wraps us up in these arms of love. It is the peace that surpasses all understanding. It's the love that never stops giving, that will always remain. These these three will always remain faith, hope, and love. So as we begin to pull back the layers of the Trinity, we have to start with this foundational understanding that we were made for relationship. First, with the creator of the universe, three in one, to join this divine relationship. And that we are created for relationship with others to enjoy God, life, and one another, <laughs> and to live this life of love. The idea of the Trinity is the idea of a God who loves you deeply and wants to be a part of your life in a one on one personal. Hey, maybe you might be far from God. You don't know a lot about Him. There's something inside of you that's intrigued. Um, There's something about these high thoughts that you love, maybe philosophical conversation, and and you just wanna unpack this, or maybe you're watching this because you really want to uh, attack us on the internet later and and, and tell us all the reasons why we're wrong, and, and, and that's okay too, but I just have to say that it's not a mistake that you're watching right now, I believe. Jesus is tapping you on the shoulder in a, in a supernatural way, in a way that only He can, uh, that the, the God, the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is, is, is reaching out to you in ways that only He can, letting you know how much He loves you. As we unpacked a big, complex, complicated idea, he's distilling it down to the most simple truth, saying, first, we have to understand that God is love and he loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for you. And in the midst of that was complete trust between the persons of the Trinity. So my friends, if you're watching today and you say, man, I don't wanna just know about God. I wanna know God on a personal level. There's two things we can do. For those of us who have not yet started that relationship, that personal relationship with Jesus, I'm gonna invite you to do that today. You just get out your phone and you text the word JESUS, J-E-S-U-S, to 587-400-2010. Now, for those of us who have been around church or the Bible or Christianity and there's something inside of you that's aching for more, that's desiring more, God is calling you deeper. And this next season, this next journey, this nine week journey is Him drawing you near to Himself and Him drawing near to you. It's going to take some surrender. It's going to take uh, us understanding the essence of who He is and His desire is deeper, personal, one-on-one relationship. And if you want it, He wants it and He wants to connect with you in a way that you never thought possible. There's someone watching today that says, I've always heard stories and I always thought that I never measured up because God didn't connect with me in that way. Uh, can I tell you, Jesus wants to let you know that it was never about you measuring up. He's going to connect with you in a way that only he can, in a way that only you can understand because your relationship with him is as unique as the fingerprints on your hand. What he's done with somebody else or how he connects with others is not how he's going to connect with you. There's themes and there's overtures that react. Her, but he wants to go deeper with you in this season. Come on, I'm so excited about this journey as we learn to embrace mystery. Thanks for listening to the Saints Church podcast. Tune in next time for another great word.